0: If you're gonna race cars, mate, you're gonna crash cars.
1: Are you telling me you made a time machine out of a McLaren.
0: Oh like my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh
1: uh, well we're not friends. Well racing is <gasps>
2: it's
1: life. Anything that
0: happens before or after. Just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah.
2: Okay, so I want to I start this podcast by um, telling a story about Amy <laughs> and where she found us at the U.S. campaign.
0: <laughs> Sarah, Connor, go ahead and tell the story. Okay.
2: Well, it's like Friday, right? It wasn't Friday? It must have been Friday. It was it was a little, a little damp out, you know. Uh, and we're walking through Kota, just doing our thing. And I actually hadn't, had I heard from Amy earlier that day, maybe? We had maybe tweeted at each other a couple times.
1: I think I tweeted that I was running late for the shuttle. Yeah,
2: that's right, because we got on the Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock shuttle because we're hella keen. And uh, yeah, anyways, so we get to the track. We're walking around. We, Liz and I found the Manor merch stand, like, immediately. Like, beeline for it. I feel like you have a homing
0: beacon that's like,
2: None of that. Someone is, there's America merch. I gotta go buy all of it. So we booked it for Manor. We made friends with the people running the merch stand because we were so goddamn excited to see all of it. Uh, I, I think at this point was wearing an American flag as a cape. And of yeah, Amy Amy walks by, sees us, and was just like, oh my god. Fancying.
1: I'd girl. know that cape anywhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have Amy from the internet with us here today.
0: Welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's yeah. approximately six fifteen on a Monday morning in Melbourne, Australia. And yes. you have been back in the country for less than twenty four hours after your
1: about twenty one. Yeah, I after got back you... at like ten am yesterday. Your epic
0: trip through North America um you hit up new york toronto utica um austin utica. austin uh sunrise florida uh mexico vancouver and now you're home well done well yeah, done I'm counting them off in my head doing the little <laughs> That's sort of work, yeah so how are yeah and by the way one of those things is not like the other and it's utica yeah why would you do that
2: Hockey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, the part of the, the the wonderful part about Utica is we went on the we went on a road trip to Utica, and so we got up at seven a.m. in the morning, rented the car, went to Niagara Falls, went to Buffalo, had Buffalo wings with uh, a friend of mine who covers hockey. Then we drove to Utica. We went to a hockey game. We were in Utica for four hours max. <laughs> we we hit up this team store. We watched this hockey game. Amy's favorite member of the Utica team got a hat trick, which oh, has never awesome. happened in his career before. Who is it? And he? so, Amy's a guy by the name of Hunter
1: Shinkara. Oh, yeah, he got fun. another one. He got another one yesterday. Wow! So he's really
0: having a good season.
1: Yeah, he's the second leading scorer in the AHL at the moment. Yes. But everyone we told we were going to Utica, they were like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, no, it's voluntary. We're not being forced to go there. Do you want
2: to know what my experience with Utica is, like, in my entire life? Uh, My grandparents lived in Ogdensburg, New York, which is, like, way up near the St. Lawrence River. So we used to have to drive through Utica to get there. And when I was, like, maybe 12 years old, my mom and I were driving up there by ourselves. like, without my dad, without my brother and sister. And our car broke down 10 miles east of Utica. So we had to get towed to Utica and sit in like a little tiny auto shop there for about six hours, and that's my that is my experience of Utica.
0: Well, we saw ours was better. We saw nothing of Utica that wasn't the (gasps) rink or the car park. At the car park of the rink where there was some very impressive tailgating going on. Excellent, excellent. But yeah, the the Utica rink only seats like three and a half thousand people, so it was pretty cool. And it was full. So It was pretty neat.
2: It's Western New York. That's pretty standard inside of Buffalo so the important part of your trip though is that you went to the United States Grand Prix and also the Mexican Grand Prix
1: you see how my hair's wet yeah. it's from Austin it's not from the shower yeah, I I just it's still wet from Austin I feel
2: that there's still mud in my sh- no actually you know what I had to throw my shoes away I, those people not yeah. making it home with me
1: I've not been sure what to write on, like, customs forms, because they keep being like, have you been to farmland? Do you have any soil with you? I'm like, I haven't been to farmland, but I haven't uh, lot soil. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we did the U.S. Grand Prix on our last podcast, but we're going to talk about Mexico today, so.
1: Yay, I've got all the insider gossip. Yeah, um,
2: tell us about that. How was it?
1: It was kind of a shambles uh, on the first day, but that's to be expected from a new yeah. race um but it was really good like the race was so boring yeah, which i'm sure you knew we need to,
0: this discussion needs to differentiate out the race from the grand
1: prix weekend right because they are like it was so boring i can't even remember what happened so you guys can cover we had that to,
0: but... we had to i actually just had to pull up the wikipedia page for the podcast uh, for the the race and to, to kind of remember what went on because i was like well all right, right. Well,
2: there were there were let's do that real quick first so there were a couple of highlights first of all Rosberg won that was great um it was really nice to see the fans cheering for him on podium which the
0: is- nico chat was pretty nice that was pretty the
2: ole 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 one that was great that was amazing um yeah uh Checo got ninth which people seemed pretty pleased about
0: um, Look, I think Checo could have come dead last, and the Mexicans would have still been like, "He's out."
2: As he finished the race, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other big thing with this race was uh, with Mercedes Hamilton complaining a lot about the strategy. They pitted him at one point, and he didn't think he needed to be pitted yet because he was still setting really fast lap times. Um, he questioned the team, and they told him to come in, and he actually did. Uh, but after the race, he accused the team of coddling Rosberg, like, I, I just, Lewis Hamilton, find some goddamn chill, like, you're the world well, champion. Like, I, I was watching you. the
0: race and they're like, Lewis Pitt, and the commentators are like, um, we know his radio is working, but he doesn't seem to be responding to so me, like, he just, yep, well... And then the commentators, why? Like, commentators were so ready. They had like another, what, minute 20 of them just being like, oh man, is he going to do it? Is he going to go his own way? And then he pulled into the pits and they're like, oh, well. Yeah, no. Being
1: was, there, I missed all of it. Yeah. Because you don't get like Trek Radio on the commentary. They played his team
2: radio at one point and he definitely was like, uh, are you sure, guys? Like, are you absolutely sure? And they were like, yep, safety reasons, pull in. And, you know, I don't know what safety reasons they could have been, but. Um. Yeah, and so that was that was a thing. I don't know. People obviously made a much bigger deal out of it than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Because Lewis Hamilton.
0: Because it's, cause it's Formula One.
2: No, because it's fucking Lewis Hamilton. And the, you know what? If anyone British is listening to this, I hate your media. And I think they should all go fall in a hole. Like, they're literally the worst thing in the existence. Um. Anyways... Sorry, I'm not sorry. Uh, Yeah, so Mercedes... um,
0: Sorry, I'm from Boston. Sorry, I'm just going to... I
2: feel terrible because I'm drinking tea right now, but I'm going to chuck the rest of this box in the harbor right when we're done. Um, Yeah, anyways, Mercedes did stuff. It was very dramatic. Obviously, it wasn't on track dramatic because that's the way this year has gone. Um, Other stuff that happened. Both Ferraris didn't finish for the first time since the 2006 Australian Grand Prix. So it's been almost 10 years since both Ferraris did not finish a race. Actually, you know what we didn't even think of is uh, Bottas punting Kimi out of nowhere. Like, what What did you do?
0: Fin on Finn violence for, like, what, the revenge. second time in three weekends.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. It's pretty good.
0: The best part of it is how the Finns deal with it. They're just like, it happened. And yeah, that's yeah. the end of it. Like, they don't talk about it. They're just like, uh-huh.
2: It's another thing that okay. people are trying to blow out of proportion, and I think they're kind of just like, uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah. They're,
0: they're just being peak finish about it. They're just like, uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But not only did neither Ferrari finish, um, one McLaren didn't even. Well, oh, no, wait, did Jensen Button take the start?
1: I think he did one. Left? No, no, Fernando Alonso did one. Left. Did one left. I was kind of, yeah, yeah it was. It was not a great
2: weekend for them.
0: Ceremonial lack of failure, where he's just basically like. You know what the
2: worst part part about that is, too, is that they were so excited about having their
0: upgrade. Jensen Button finished 14th. Okay. Oh, that's right.
2: They were so excited about having their upgrade package at the US Grand Prix, and uh, have we seen anything from that? No.
1: It was just like, like... They still sound terrible. Uh, Every time they go past, oh. it's like, oh.
2: I know. Um, There was one... One of the NBC commentators was saying something like, this is the worst the McLarens have sounded all year in Mexico. Wow. They fucked up. They fucked up right,
0: up real bad. I think McLaren, well, well McLaren, Fernando Alonso and Jensen Butler at that point where they're like, we've got two more races. It's six more race, like weekend, like six more race days. Like we're just, we're just, we're just getting through this. We're going to get to the end power. of it. And then we're going to burn everything to the ground and start again.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's, Which that's... is probably
0: not, but it may not be a bad idea. Just like, you know what?
1: Mm, yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, McLaren also, was it since we've recorded last that they officially got rid of Kevin Magnuson and brought the, in no, stuff? I
0: believe they got, they got rid of K-Mags um, and we talked about this. I think they got rid of K-Mags prior to the US Grand Prix, I think. Yeah. They well, told K-Mags been. on his birthday, which I believe yeah, is The that's right. that's right. 21st and uh, no, fifth of October. So they told him last month. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we we have talked about it. Uh, there's been a few more details, different things that have come out since. Obviously, uh, Haas came out and said if they hadn't been able to get Romain Grosjean, they would have got they would have taken Kevin Magnussen. Which one of our uh, I, I think uh, I think it was Luke Smith who covers uh, F1 for NBC. NBC yep had the fabulous tweet of that almost is probably about to come ke- become kevin magnuson's middle name because the amount of tweets i read that was like kevin magnuson almost got this seat but um yeah okay so kevin magnuson also known as almost kevin magnuson yeah. um but back to the race well, i back that sarah something that is in your interests the mana battle that no one saw you guys,
2: guys. Amy, tell me about how this was to see in person because we
1: saw literally none of it on TV, and I'm. We- it was really good. Like they were pretty close, and and Alex Rossi was behind him every single lap, and then after the safety car, and they were really close together, and then Alex Rossi finally got past him somewhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that, but it wasn't at my corner. And then every lap after that, he was so far ahead of Will that it was like, oh, you were really holding him up. Yeah, of
2: course. Like, he's faster. He's beaten Will Stevens every weekend they race together. Like,
1: I just... Yeah, I don't know why they let... Maybe they should have, like, team-ordered them to let them fast earlier because it was just ridiculous the gap he opened up straight away yeah. as soon as he was faster him. Uh,
2: one of the really cool things that did happen, though, is that I think Manor... Whoever's running the Manner Twitter account, like, knows. They know that they're never going to be on TV. They know that no one gives a shit about them, except, like, a small amount of people. Uh, so they were, like, responding to people, yelling about it. And, and at one point, I just straight up tweeted an America GIF at them. And they were like, what are you possibly excited about? We can't even imagine. Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you can't. Don't even do this to me. Um, at one point, I tweeted, uh, Rossi's about to do the thing. And I tagged them in it and as soon as he passed him, they tweeted at me. They were like, He did the thing and I was like, You guys are just amazing. Um yeah, they live tweeted their whole little battle and that was great. And uh I'm really sad. I'm hoping maybe next year we'll see them on TV more because they're my
0: sad little baby shitty team. Well they'll hopefully they'll hopefully have better engines next year with Ferrari yeah. engines.
1: Uh um, Mercedes, Mercedes. They should have been on TV. It was like the only battle out there. After right. like the third lap, every car went past and there was like a 6 second gap and I was just like I'm bored already. Yeah. <laughs> that
2: sucks. Um yeah, no, they're going to have Mercedes engines and Williams parts next year or a Williams gearbox, I guess.
1: So they they
0: they may be actually Computers. in a battle that is yeah. together. And
2: it's going to be a 2016 spec engine, not like shitty 2014 stuff like
0: I give me this now. Give me- do you think we'll see them get points next year, Sarah Connors? Dude,
2: Alex Rossi was two places from points in, in America. Like,
0: yes. Okay, okay, no, wait a second. Let's not get too excited about Alex Rossi being two places from points with the sheer number of cars Listen. that died in that race. Like, Alex Rossi was two cars from points Tensky. because everyone else ran over everyone
2: else. Right, but here's the thing. If that happens next year and he has really good engines next year... He'll actually be able to fight the cars that are trying to pass him, like the Sauber. Uh, just yep, yeah, he's gonna get points next year. You can't even, don't even look at me.
0: <laughs> well, for him to get points next year, Sarah Connors, he has to be racing next year.
2: I think he will be. He keeps dropping hints that he's gonna be with Manor. Like he 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 does this diary for uh, NBC. And it's a really interesting read because, you know, obviously he's got to go back and forth between F1 and GP2. Um, so, for example, um, like most of the drivers in this two-week break are either vacationing somewhere in the States or somewhere in Mexico or home in Brazil or whatever. He has actually flown over to Spain to do GP2 simulator testing in his, like, time off before Brazil. Um so like I don't know, he's working so hard and he's writing all this stuff for NBC and telling us all about it and he keeps dropping these hints that he's going to be with Manor next year. He, I think in his last one he was like a couple weeks, very soon, like we're going to have some news and I was like, "Oh, what could that be?" So. Yeah.
0: it could really only be him resigning with Manor.
2: Yeah. One would one would hope. Oh, I'm facing another season of GP2. No. No you're not, buddy. No, you're not you're doing not. that. Also, and I said this a bunch of times in Texas, um Why Manor hasn't made merchandise all year? Why would they make it suddenly just for you know one race? I know it's obviously a big deal that Rossi's the only American driver in like they
0: probably sold more merchandise at that one race and they had in all other races put together.
1: Well, they haven't had any- yeah, there was no sign of that merchandise in Mexico. It was like, it was still in Texas. The only,
0: Mexi- the only merchandise that I appeared to see in Mexico was Ferrari or the Checo Perez podium collection.
1: Yes. Yes, pretty much, pretty much. There was, in my zone, there was like a tent that had a lot more teams, but in some of the zones, because you couldn't leave your zone, some of the zones only had Ferrari. <laughs> Cool. And people were really mad about it yes so tell us about I the zone. a lot of Ferrari. <laughs> yes i'll tell you about life at the let's, mexican let's Grand Prix. well friday uh they were supposed to open the gates at eight and free practice started at 10 so i was like oh head down like nine-ish um i got there at nine they hadn't opened the gates yet oh the queue gosh. was like ridiculous People were getting really mad. It's like, why, why are you not opening the gates? You said they'd be opened an hour ago, and people were freaking out they were going to miss the race, or well, miss practice. But once they opened the gates... <laughs> I love gates... this one
0: where like, miss the race. I'm like, yes, because you could
1: possibly still be in line three days from now in Mexico. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Uh, once they opened the gates, it was moving pretty quickly because they just completely skipped bag checks. Like, the month beforehand, the Mexican Grand Prix on their... Uh, social media were really like here's all the things you're not allowed to bring to the race and i saw multiple of all of those things like it was like no tripods no no uh gopro sticks no selfie sticks and it was just a guy tried to set up his camera on a tripod right in front of me and i was like excuse me sir i can't see the track yeah i love
0: mexico's like we're just gonna try and deter you but we're not actually gonna enforce any of these rules you know what was great
1: yeah you could have smuggled in anything
2: you know what was great is that that one day in uh in texas that it rained like terribly horribly bad um they didn't even check tickets they were just letting people in like no bag check no ticket check no nothing
1: yeah that makes sense i didn't even go to the track that day i was just like it's not gonna happen
2: yeah we did because we're idiots but whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) you went you went
0: to a football game where they memorialized a cow
1: yeah that's pretty texas it was like here's a minute silence for our mascot and our friend and then this cow on the big screen i was like "Wait, you? the cow died yeah
2: oh i didn't realize that that's awesome
1: Because I already had a ticket for it. So I was like, well, if there's not going to be any running at the track today, I might as well do this instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And even then, it was raining too much. I only watched the first half. The second half, I watched like underneath the grandstand on a television because it was so cold.
0: (laughs) I remember you messaging me and being like,
1: I just want to go home, but I'm too wet to get in an Uber. (laughs) yeah yeah um, it's like I couldn't sit in someone's car like that where it would ruin their car we had that problem getting back on Sunday
2: just because we'd had to climb that turn one hill like I way. don't know if you saw it because you got to go in a grandstand but like it was just a mudslide it was
1: a mess. Massive- yeah I went up and down the hill a few times it was mm. yeah yeah
2: so god bless that lift driver that actually let us get in her car um <laughs> But yeah, so how? So that was Friday at Mexico. What about
1: the other yes. days? Yes, they were slightly better, uh, better organized, and that I think they opened the gates on time. Um, the other two days, I walked from my Airbnb. It was like a twenty-minute walk, and um, so I was coming from the opposite direction to the queue. And so, rather than join the queue, I just walked straight oh, in. Nice. No one, no one got mad at me. So I was like, okay, this works. Um. The dumb thing was, like, at the entry to the blue zone, they had all their merchandise right there. So people would stop and, like, look at the merchandise and then no one could get past them. So that's why things were backing up. That wasn't smart.
0: Yeah, it, I think I think logistics is one of those things that is never right the first year. And then they're like, okay, yeah, so we fucked up this, 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 and this and we'll fix it all for the next
1: one yeah 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 Yeah, because the same with um like all the the concessions you couldn't none of them took money you couldn't buy your food like you couldn't go to burger king and be like i want a whopper you had to go to the other side where they had cashiers who would would take orders for every single food option and then give you a ticket and then you'd have to take your ticket back to Burger King and be like, I already paid for my Whopper over there. Now give me a Whopper. Austria. So you had to line up for everything twice.
2: Austria did it like that too. But obviously in Austria, there were a lot fewer people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Before, before. The queues were like, on on Saturday, I decided like, normally I'd go get food between FP3 and qualifying, but the queues were so long. I was like, if I go after FP3, I'm not even, I'll still be in the queue when qualifying starts. So I went beforehand and got all my tickets for the day so i was like i'll get my breakfast now and i'll get my lunch tickets now and then i can get my lunch later and that worked out all right the food was really like eh like it was domino's pizza and burger king and starbucks and like fish and chips so really? i was like i'm in mexico where are the tacos yeah what the
2: hell that's like dude it wasn't even that like that level of stuff in texas was it
1: Yeah. I just all the food
2: trucks, which was cool.
1: Texas was kind of local. I had funnel cake for the first Mm -hmm. time. That's so like
2: funnel cake. Oh my god, it's fried dough.
1: It's like deep fried dough with icing sugar Mm -hmm. on it.
2: Oh man, at one point I had a kid sitting next to me that had like a thing of fried dough and he just like blew gently on it and all of the powdered sugar went everywhere. I was like, why? Why are children?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I ended up wearing that. But um... Yeah, the one place that had tacos, I was like, I'm going to be Mexican. I'm going to get some. And they were like 90 pesos, which is like $9. And um, it was like one taco. I was like, well, I would need about five of these to fill me up. So, and it was the one place where the price, like Formula One pricing was so evident because in Australia, everything's expensive. So when you go to the race and everything's expensive, it's it's the same as what you'd pay outside. But like a Coke at the Grand Prix was 50 pesos and outside like there's a shop at just outside the track where they were five so I was like it's you know it's so much more expensive yeah wow well, because it was the same price as it would be anywhere else yeah but, which, which is it which is almost
0: okay if you're coming to Mexico from outside of Mexico but if you're yeah. Mexican and you're going to the race it's just absurd
1: yeah like I'm used to paying that at the Grand Prix but for the locals and most of them were locals like there was The whole weekend, I think I heard heard two British people and two Americans, and that was it. Everyone else was Mexican. That's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And none of them spoke English. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's the thing. When you go to Europe, everyone in Europe speaks their language and English. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was in Spain, I'd be like, hola, and I'd be like, you're clearly not Spanish, and they would just (laughs) reply in English, whereas... Whereas in, in Mexico it's like uh... oh, oh. <laughs> Or even when I'd say them I'd be like, No hablo español and then they would just keep speaking Spanish. And then the old one who would speak English at the end they would be like, My English is bad. My English is bad. I'm like, Your English is fine enough for me to get what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'd rather Your you go... English
0: is better than my Spanish. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, like at one point I tried to buy Nachos and they were like yelling at me in Spanish and I was like, What? What? And then he was finally like, We have no cheese and i was like oh okay <laughs> Like that's all i needed to know <laughs> okay i can't get nachos because there's no cheese okay
2: yeah we have that's, that's very interesting i i've been thinking about maybe trying to go to mexico next year i thought here's the thing though i thought mexico and texas were back-to-back next year too they're
1: not yeah they're, they're not oh okay so yeah
2: I'm going to have to, like, fly back to Boston and then go to Mexico. But I, I, I want
1: It's worth doing because it is pretty cheap. Like, my accommodation was cheap. Everything outside the track was cheap. Like, that was all fine. Um, um,
2: and also, there's direct
1: flights. And I think all the logistics will be better next year as well. Yeah,
2: there's direct flights from Boston to Mexico City on JetBlue. I had no idea. I looked blue. Oh, wow. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll have to do it. Yeah. Sarah, you can stop working not- those flights after you've come to visit me, Okay. Uh, I'm not thinking about buying anything until I come to visit you, so that's fine. Good!
2: (laughs) The the best part is, though, if for some reason flights go up to Toronto before I can buy them, um, I can just drive there. We can talk about the logistics of this later, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing in Mexico, uh, in my stand, stand six, um, they had, like, section 101, 102, 103, up to 109, like marked on the, the back of the grandstand so you know where to enter. But they sold tickets up to section 111. So everyone in 110 and 111 was like, where's, where do I go? Like, just where's my seat? Where's my grandstand? Once you actually got into the grandstand, all the sections were labeled at the front correctly, but it's just they hadn't labeled the access correctly. So every single person who went into the grandstand was then like, where's my seat? And the ushers were getting mad, and yeah, it was just like... Um, just yeah. those little just things,
0: those little things that yeah. a couple of goes to get right.
1: And just the little things where if everyone spoke English, it wouldn't even be a big deal. But I was just like, I don't know where I'm going, and I can't understand anyone who's telling me where I'm going.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine how that wouldn't be a good time.
1: I think Mexico would be a lot more fun if you went with a group, because then you'd have other people yeah, to yeah. speak to. Like I was going like 24, 48 hours at a time without speaking any, to anyone. Because I was like, <laughs> no one speaks English. My Airbnb host spoke English, but she was really busy the whole weekend. So I only saw her on Thursday night when I arrived. And then I didn't see her again until Sunday, we- uh, Monday when I left. Oh,
2: man.
0: Yeah. yeah I, mean- I I love things like that. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think I could do it. Um, do them on my own. Like, I definitely want to hang out with people. That's what it was like yeah. when I went backpacking on my own. Like, I'd be like, oh, I haven't spoken to anyone today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I normally like traveling by myself, but I just feel like if I went back to Mexico, I'd need a buddy. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I think you'd have more fun with a buddy.
2: We
1: actually did that
2: yeah. Um, we did that in Austria where we had a little group of four of us and it was perfect because no one else really spoke English or wanted to speak English. We were yeah. we each other, so that was good.
0: But, so you, so one of the things that I really loved about watching the Mexican Grand Prix, and I'd love to get your thought on this, Amy, is just how they set up the park fermé and the podium
1: yeah that was cool because it looked it was very really far away from me maybe. but yeah it was very far away from me and i couldn't get there because it was in a different zone <laughs> um and you weren't allowed on the track it's like the only race i've ever been to where there was no track invasion after the oh race, really which kind of makes sense because if you had like a hundred and thirty thousand passionate mexican people they would all go to the fourth india garage and someone would die <laughs> there would be like there would be a trampling and someone would die so, they do.
2: They actually yeah. do that in Texas, and yeah. when it's not raining. And when there isn't a Mexico race, the Mexicans really <laughs> go nuts outside Ports India. It's really fun.
0: Yeah, well, that's. Yeah. I think you sent some photos from Austin. You're like, it's me and all of these Mexicans. Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's so fun.
0: One of look, One yeah. of my other favorite things from Mexico was the Pirelli Sombreros. <laughs>
1: I was gutted if they weren't for sale anywhere because I would have bought one. <laughs> it wouldn't have fitted in my luggage, but I would have got it home. You could have just worn it on the plane. That's fine. It's true. You got to the on because I know in Austin they used to sell the Stetsons. They don't sell them anymore, but they used yeah. to. So I was like, "It's year one in Mexico. Maybe they'll have them." They didn't have mm. them.
0: I just and and Sarah and I were talking about this before. I I just love it when Pirelli like tries to do that little bit of embracing the local... And it probably also has something to do with the local uh, organising committee, but, like, when they had the the fur hats in Russia and the co- the cowboy hats in, this like, the Stetsons in... um Austin. Stetsons in Austin. Like, it kind of... It gives it something a little bit different because it's like, oh, like, I mean, we see them get the cats every single race. They look the same. They haven't yeah. changed in years.
1: I know some people hate it because they're like, it makes Formula 1 look like a joke. It should be serious. It's like...
0: Why can't we have... Fun? Being want? serious is the last thing yeah. Formula One needs. No kidding. Formula One is... Formula One's seriousness is actually detrimental to itself. Did you, you, know, hear, about, exactly. did
2: you hear about the whole thing that happened with Dan Ricardo related to this? Um, I guess he said something like he doesn't like the track in Brazil just because he's not... I don't know, I'm gonna guess he just never had a really good result there and he's never done well. Yeah. So he actually came out and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that track. Which fine. Listen, you're allowed to have an opinion. That's fine. A bunch of people have come out and been like, oh, he should he should be fine. Like he shouldn't say things detrimental. That's detrimental to the sport. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, do you want your drivers to have personality? Yeah. Do you want them to be yeah. robots? You can't. I mean, have them.
0: I mean, maybe he should have phrased it like, I'm not the biggest fan of well, that track is? because I haven't had good results there. No, listen,
2: who gives a crap?
0: But
2: <laughs> it does It literally doesn't matter.
0: I was going to say, I was going to say, that's the works in PR person in me. It's not
2: like he said, fuck that track. It's the worst place on earth. <laughs> fuck you, Brazil. I you don't, don't want nothing. to with <laughs> the track. Big deal. So it's, yeah, it's the whole thing with like, oh, F1 needs to be more serious, blah, 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 blah. And it turns into this boring ass, you know, done dunny- No.
0: You know, F1 needs more rained out dancing, more ridiculous, I don't know, like, Toro Rosso Indian... Uh, Toro Vosso, I don't know where India came in. That Toro Vosso, like, battle videos. What are, The sombrero race that Sky had with 4th India. Like, they need more of that kind of stuff.
2: Yep.
1: I mean, yeah.
2: Look at what IndyCar does. Just literally look at what IndyCar does. They look okay, so at their drivers on their series Indy- Twitter.
0: Have you seen the IndyCar announcement bloopers? Is that what it was? uh Sarah?
2: No, it was just the announcement video.
0: They came out with okay, the announcement so it, video for the
2: 2016 the,
0: season. They didn't make an actual announcement video. They just gave you the blueprints. Yes. Okay. No, I haven't oh seen God. that. It's,
2: make a point.
0: It's brilliant. It make features uh, Connor Daly, Joseph Newgarden and uh, one of the IndyCar pit lane announcers, uh, commentators. And it's like someone yeah. turned Anchorman into an IndyCar video.
2: It's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's yeah it's got to be seen to be believed it's stupid and ridiculous and it's quite wonderful and for a sport that's in its off season it's brilliant at bringing it back into the public sphere
1: for discussion yeah um yeah i i only sort of started watching indycar like really late last season so i don't really know any of the personalities behind it and i was like maybe i should give this more time but i've always been one of those people who watches formula one and nothing else
2: yeah i mean that's we're gonna
0: get you out of that habit
2: yeah
1: i don't have any time (laughs) you're like look at who you're speaking to
2: yeah i was like excuse me make time make time it's worth
0: it look amy only goes on formula one trips when the ice hockey season isn't on so there's really only like three races or four races a year that she can get to because the rest of them have the 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 Australian Ice Hockey League season is on. So she's like, sorry, busy. i mean, okay.
1: So my- no, I look at all of our buys and I'm like, I could go on that weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway. I could have gone to Canada last year. I was meant to, but then I was unemployed. So yeah,
2: that sucks.
0: Hopefully, you get a buy weekend this year.
1: Fingers crossed. Yep
0: that being said i will probably be somewhere at work
1: (laughs) uh i went to singapore in 2008 when they had their first uh race and they had a zone system there and um so when i went the first year i couldn't get near the the paddock um and singapore is a really good race for like sitting outside the paddock and getting autographs because there's never anyone there um but i couldn't get there that first year and this was much the same in that the track is broken into quite a lot of zones in Mexico. I think Singapore had four. I think Mexico had like seven or eight. And um, you can only stay in your zone. They, sec- they, they reckon it's to prevent, um, to make it more comfortable for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so that they can sort kind of it,
0: regulate the amount of people in each zone. Exactly. Okay.
1: Just stop like 130,000 people being in one place.
0: Um, and that place is the lowest India garage.
1: Yeah. Singapore have dropped it now, so I'm wondering if maybe Mexico will in the future, or maybe, I think Singapore first started by just making the zones a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Um, But, yeah, the blue zone was alright, because there was a lot of stuff in it. The green zone behind the main grandstand, there's a lot of stuff there as well, but the zones by the stadium section had nothing in them there was like one food option and a ferrari merch and huh. that was it and the people in them were getting really mad they're like i want merch from other teams but i'm not even allowed to like go over there okay, the from, a, from a
0: grandstand perspective we saw very little of the crowd outside of the stadium section like the stadium section yeah. is where they they kept the cameras the cameras stayed as far as showing fans so you didn't really see yeah. any of those other sections
1: Which is weird because everywhere, everywhere else was packed as well. Like where I was sitting, there was I think five or six grandstands. Originally there was two, but they kept adding more and more and more because there was so many people wanting tickets Mm -hmm. and it was packed and the atmosphere was great. And down at turn four, there's another section that's actually called the stadium section because what everyone's calling the stadium section is like the baseball stadium, but there's another stadium section that was the same. It was like grandstands on every side and that was packed. Um, but yeah, they were really focused on that baseball bit, even though the tickets there are pretty cheap because you actually can't see that much of the track. Like you see like one corner yeah. and that's it. Whereas where I was, I could see quite a bit and I think you'd see more. I went for a gold stand and there was two levels above gold, but even gold was like 9,000 pesos. So.
2: Yeah, that's, not, that's decent. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. I think I think the reason they kept showing the baseball stadium section is because it looked so fucking cool. Like it did. Yeah. 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 If you're gonna show but yeah,
1: but yeah, the people sitting there got kind of mad that they were like, There's nothing for us to do and um, we've got two hours between F B one and F B two and there's nothing to do. Oh, that
2: sucks. Yeah. I wonder if like from a an organizational perspective, they wanted to start with zones just for yeah, for crowd control reasons for like, you yeah. know, organization. I mean, it makes sense. It kind of does.
1: And I guess it, it makes sense that the, the zones that had the most stuff in them to do were also the most expensive tickets. Yeah. So it sort of was like, not only, make, I guess it makes sense. It's like if you're paying a quarter of what these people are paying, maybe you'll have a quarter as much stuff to mm-hmm. do. And yeah. it was very last minute. Like there was a lot of um, tents and stuff that were like merchandise stands, but they kept the like the shades down all weekend. They never opened. So they obviously just didn't have the stuff. When I arrived on Friday the first merchandise place I went to it was just a lot of naked plastic torsos like they hadn't got anything on display yet. Mm-hmm. When I went back later they all had t-shirts on but like for yeah. it was so last minute. Yeah, yeah. cuz
2: usually usually as soon as you get into the track at Coda, that stuff looks like it's been set up for days. Oh. Yeah. yeah, maybe they just I mean again your first year
0: they haven't been, they I think haven't it all was last minute like race since 1992. Mm-hmm. Like well, it's been a good
1: 20 yeah. years they had like periscopes uh of, of building the track and even like a week beforehand it was like here we are laying some asphalt like it was so last yeah. minute building and I, everything I think if you think back to when you saw
0: the photos of uh Perez and Hulkenberg when they went out earlier in the year they're like it was maybe February or March and, and you were like brilliant. oh half of the shit is built
1: <laughs> yeah that being said, I said next year well they'll be much better there was a documentary that shows
0: and may not be showing anymore but it shows on I think it's, Etihad, it's either Eddie Had or Emirates and it's on the creation of the Abu Dhabi track oh. and I watched it on a flight once because I had nothing else to do and it shows like they're like putting up all this stuff of the track like like Grand Prix starts in two weeks and it's just like then trying to put up like like sales and shit like rapid rates and you're like okay fair enough well I
2: mean if you know in in Montreal they put all that stuff up about you know starting six weeks before the race because they can't keep a lot of those stands up all winter or they will collapse
0: Uh, well and that's like Australia um a lot of Australia is the Australia track is it is technically a street circuit but it's a street circuit that no one really drives through like it's not like a you know heavily used public space mm-hmm. you use There's it, like if going, it that
1: are, but yeah, you use it if
0: you're cutting from a to b and you don't want to have to go the other way but they shut it down what six weeks six weeks advance the track eight weeks
1: advance the yeah they normally start around january sometime building it for the race in march
0: and you can still drive around large portions of it right up until like the week or so beforehand because mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've driven along the main straight of the australian grand prix a couple of weeks before the track and all the signage is up and all the names are on the top of the garages and you can like climb through the pit wall into like the thing and that was so pretty neat
2: and see on the flip side i so i ran a half marathon up in montreal and it went around the track and it was in I believe it was in May. It was the very beginning of May and nothing was up yet. They didn't have any of the signage up, nothing. So that would have been a month before the race. So, yeah, I mean, it's not super shocking that, you know, nine months before the race in Mexico, they wouldn't have had anything up because we know they can build that stuff pretty quickly. But it it is a little surprising to hear that they had to lay asphalt down and whatnot a week before the race. Like hopefully next year.
1: Yeah, and that's why it was probably so slippery because all the oil and yeah, stuff was still was coming crazy. out of the track. Yeah, that was that was there was a lot of discussion about
0: that in the broadcast about the fact that it was one of the slipperiest tracks a lot of these guys had raced on mm-hmm. in the dry. You know, you're in yeah. you're in soft tires like.
1: That was Mexico. Everyone should go there. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend, recommend
0: it. Final final grade. Will you go back?
1: No. But I don't normally go back to foreign races. I'm, like, a one-and-done sort of person. I'm going back to Austin because I feel ripped off by Austin oh this year, God. and I feel like I need to do it better. Yeah, yeah. I, I want
2: to just, like, send you every picture I took last year and the year before when it was... Yeah, one of my
1: friends went last year, and she was, like, the one who was sort of like, oh, my God, you're going to have the best time, and the whole time I was there, she's like, I'm so glad I didn't go this year. I know, it's so terrible, too. And I'm not,
0: I mean, I kind of said that. I was like, I'm kind of glad I didn't go because... I would have been pissed.
2: Yeah. I mean, we obviously found a way to deal with it,
0: but. Oh, yeah. We would have made a good time out of it.
1: But even, like, the city itself, so many of my friends who aren't into Formula One have been like, who have been to the States are so like, Austin is the best place I've ever been. It's so much fun. Like, it's, it's just a great city. And I really wanted to explore the city and go to Fan Fest and all of that sort of stuff. I never left my Airbnb. Never.
2: Yeah, FanFest was lame anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I heard it sucked this mm-hmm. year. Like, I don't know if it was just the rain or what, right. people because said it was... They, they did it last yeah. year as
2: well. And last year they actually shut down a couple of the downtown streets. Um, Like, I believe they shut down 6th, 6th Street, uh, where all the bars yeah. are. And it was incredible because last year it was also on Halloween weekend. So they turned it into this big, massive, like, Halloween festival of F1. And there were people out in costumes. And it was just... It was so great. It was really cool. Um... You know, We ended up staying at FanFest last year for a good couple hours, and uh, yeah, it was really yeah, sad. I and mean, the weather last year was beautiful, it was chilly in the morning and really warm in the afternoon, and perfect like bright sun, you know, like you would expect from Texas. And
1: yeah, it, yeah, everyone who went, I picked shorts, damn it, yeah, everyone who went
2: this year needs to go back at some point just so that you know, yeah, you can understand that that's not what it's like usually, so.
1: yeah. And no, the worst part for me actually was trying to leave, was trying to leave Texas, like trying to leave Austin. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm in the queue for the shuttle bus. It's four hours long.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty awful. Uh, and you left, yeah. you left before the Elton John concert, right?
1: Yeah, I was too cold. And then by the time I got on a bus, Elton John was well finished. Yeah. I'm secretly hoping that Coda do some sort of like, you came last year and it sucked. Here's a massive discount for next oh, year. Oh my God,
2: that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Um, since we're talking about Coda, I have you seen the photos? They had another storm um two weeks ago, I believe. Uh that was worse than the weekend we were there. Um the main grandstand got hit by lightning. Um and it destroyed at least three rows of chairs. Uh all of the concession stands that were out at the far end of the track, most of them have been destroyed. Um yeah.
0: The the service, the petrol station across the street has had its entire awnings ripped off. Yeah. Um the car the like hop on, hop off cart train things are all on their sides. Mm-hmm. One of the uh one of the tunnels is filled to the top with water what you would normally walk through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what else?
1: And that's the thing, like, as bad as it was, they're so lucky they didn't have 100,000 people there that weekend.
2: Seriously. And they're also lucky that that
0: storm didn't happen that weekend.
1: <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, also. People could have died. Unfortunately,
0: though, also, you have the added part where the financial repercussions of this this weather over that weekend. I believe the F1 is the biggest weekend they have and is probably their biggest financial. It is.
2: No, they yeah, have They, they be- actually do concerts at that 360 stage, like pretty big ones, like Fish played there and whatnot. But yeah, F1 weekend is easily their biggest weekend.
0: And, and, and we're not just talking, you know, people coming in, we're talking the money they're making on parking, the merchandise sales, the concession sales, you know, they're saying they're millions of dollars short on merchandise and concession sales. That yeah. money has to either come from somewhere else or be taken from a budget to sustain them going forward. So it's really complicated for them now because they had these massive losses occurred that weekend and now they've got to try and keep afloat just to get to the next month in the hope that they can make it back.
1: Yeah, I mean well, that's I- the thing, I'm like, I wanna go back. It's like can they even afford to have another race? They'll be
0: fine. They will be fine. Um it'll suck.
2: Like they're they've obviously taken their losses, but I mean the race is still going to be there next year. The fact that the race yeah. was so exciting, I think, helped them a lot. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the people that may have had tickets to go but just didn't get in the gate may have regretted not going because of how great the race was. Yep. Um, and the fact that the weather has been beautiful every other year and the fact that they've been super successful every other year. you know. And I also
0: think with the race being so good, people are going to be incentivized to come there and maybe hopefully see another race that good. Midly the bad weather helped that race be good. But you're still kind of like, this track has a lot of a lot of excitement in it as a track.
1: But also, like, when I got to my seat at Turn 1, I could not believe how much of the track I could see from there. I was like, I think I've been to nine tracks now. And I was just like, this is the best view I've ever had at a Formula 1. Circuit. It's amazing
2: because you can see the whole main street. You can see up around Turn 1. You can see parts of Turns 3 and 4. And then, you know, obviously they go all the way out to the main street coming back. And then you can see a bunch of the whole, that whole back yeah. part.
1: Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is amazing. I want to come back and sit here every year.
2: <laughs> we sat we sat in the grandstand at Turn 1 last year too. And that was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Um, then maybe
0: yeah. we'll have to go next year. So Sarah... We did talk about in in in, in other non F1. Oh yeah. Yes. We did talk about IndyCar, but as the expert on all things Formula E, Formula E had their second race
1: of the season in Putrajaya?
2: Yes, Putrajaya.
1: I've been there. Have you really? It's like the it's like the camera of Malaysia. When I went to the Malaysian Grand Prix, I stayed in a hotel there. It's it's dead. There's, it's crazy. There's nothing there. Well, I guess
2: that's, that's <laughs> probably why it's a good place to put a Formula E. The,
1: the,
0: the funny thing is
2: yeah.
1: no, one, no one from Australia
0: who isn't from Australia understands mm-hmm. that it's the Canberra of somewhere else reference. I don't, I don't know. But what I do. can't yeah, think I of what the, there's, there's no real American equivalent. Oh yeah. yeah America like doesn't Ottawa have one. It's
1: Canada. But it's man-made. It's like, it's like the man-made government capital. So they built it just for government. So no one actually lives there. So
0: yeah. it's Ottawa. It yeah. And the people that live there work there for the government. Yeah, it's Ottawa. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um. The track was pretty cool. Um. It was one of the most exciting Formula E races we've had yet. You know, since it, the engines are open to development this year, there's a little bit of a disparity between some of the teams. Um. Renault doesn't really seem to have their shit together, which is kind of funny. Uh, the outcome of the race was that Lucas Degrassi won. Uh, Sam Bird came in second, and Robin Fritz, i can't say his last name. I'm yeah, top. yeah, that guy. No, you know what I mean. Um, yep. Robin, for who drives for Andretti, came in third. Uh, Andretti has been struggling since testing, so the fact that he—he's on the podium was unbelievable. Um, he'd also been having issues specifically all this weekend. Uh, before the race started, we heard that. The Truly Formula E team would not make it to the grid yet again for the second weekend in a row.
0: Wait, wait. So what, what What? was the problem? I saw the part where one of their drivers wasn't racing and Yana Truly was like, I'll do it.
2: Yeah, like last year. Um, so I don't know what the problem was this weekend. The last race, their cars got confiscated at customs. So they couldn't race the first weekend. Anybody.
1: I love that he has a team because after he got dropped from Caterham, he just disappeared for like three years, and it was like, "Where is Yato Truly? Like, where is?" Hanging he? out, doing
2: things, yeah,
1: just making wine, yeah,
2: yeah. But um, yeah. So now he and Antonio he are the two drivers. I, That's like,
0: a, such a good name. I know.
2: Uh anyways, they they are the Mister Irrelevant of Formula E this year. I hope they make it to the grid at some point. Um. So the reason those three guys finishing where they did was such a big deal was because they didn't start at the front at all. Like Sebastian Boemi got pole, Stefan then came out of nowhere and got second. Uh Boemi was actually leading the race for about a little more than half of it he was still leading after he, you know, after he pitted and everyone did their pit stops. And then his car just died out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden Seb Boemi's sitting on the side of the road like not too happy. God damn it. Sarazan qualified second, but he actually didn't even make it to the grid. Uh, his car died. And then he had to start from the back because okay. they actually got it started up. But, yeah, it's a struggle. Um, my guys, the Dragon guys, Lloyd Duval was running up towards the front for most of the race. And his suspension failed. Uh, so did Jerome D'Ambrosio's. So Dragon's got to look at something this week to try to figure out what the deal is
0: with that. Um, I think a lot of people need to have a look at something like that this week. Yes, this yes. Entire, your entire recap of the race has been like, this guy was doing well, and then his car died. And this guy, and yet, yeah, like, like none oh, of them crashed. Yeah. They just, their car stopped working. The Dragon it's, cars, like, look, it, it's like a whole grid of McLarens.
2: Yeah. Well, no. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> the thing is, the suspensions are standard across the whole grid. Like, those yeah. aren't a part that can be customized yet. So it's weird that only the two dragons had suspension failure. So yeah, that's something they gotta look into. Um, At least
0: they're consistent. Both cars fail.
2: <laughs> um, both cars were in the top five last weekend and finished. So uh, I don't know. They do
0: everything as a team.
2: They do. Uh, it was a very exciting race. Uh, the next one isn't until like December seventeenth. Um, that one's in Argentina, I believe, which is fun. Yeah, Punta del Este uh yeah it should be fun i don't really want to wait another month and a half because formula e is actually exciting um
0: but yeah that's fine here we are two- so uh, other than formula e and let's just loop back to our our original topic <laughs> So to say two more super interesting things than f1 um we talked about uh, Alex Rossi potentially going back to Mano and his dropping hints. Mm-hmm. We talked about him being simming in GP2 this weekend. What we didn't talk about is the fact that Mana is not possibly going to look like Manor next year, at least from a leadership perspective. That's true. It looks like Mana is losing both super lovely Graham Loudon so and sad. John Brooks. I'm also so sad. Yeah, Great I do know. is awesome and both him and John Booth have done so much to get Manor to where they are at this point in the season. They could have gone the way of Caterham, but they're still there and they're leaping now. Yeah.
2: Those two those two are primarily the reason why Manor is still a thing. Um and it's yeah, important. I think the two of them have had massive disagreements with how the team owner has done things. Um specifically I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, there have been rumors that they might come back if there's another new team next year, but I don't know. You know, rumors are rumors. Yeah. Um The yeah. point is, it's it's really upsetting to leave both of them because Loudon was a very public face of this team. You know, he was always out in the pit lane when fans were there. He was always there to answer questions, and you know, that uh, everyone knew who he was. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what Manner's going to look like without them. Who are they going to bring in? Who's going to be the team principal? Um, mm-hmm. Will the the owner of Manor sell the team to someone and bring all these guys back. I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's a little upsetting, you know, because being a fan of this team is fucking impossible. <laughs> it's really hard. And and just, you know, you get a little bit of hope. You get hope about the Mercedes engines and the Williams parts and the drivers next year, you know. Will Mercedes put Pascal Wierlein in one of the other seats? Will Alexander Rossi come back? Will this be a team that I'm going to just, like, die over all the time because I love them so much? Maybe. But then they do something like this, and you're like, will they even make it to the grid next year? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's upsetting. And, and, you know, for those two guys to put in this much effort and then, you know,
0: to walk have to to, to to essentially feel like they have to walk away yeah. because because it's very much sounds like one of those situations where they've had the amount of disagreements that it's their integrity now like i'm not willing to stand here and compromise how i believe we should be doing this no, exactly this
2: so yeah i don't know it's um it is what it is at this point hopefully everything works out
0: and Speaking of teams that may look a little bit different next year, oh yeah, oh my gosh, Force India, as far, as far Sahara Force India may not be Sahara. Sahara Force India next season. No,
2: and Vijay Malia has been talking about this, so it might actually be happening. It's There's, a little bit more legit than the normal, the normal yeah. gossip. It's not just gossip. If the team principal is saying that it might happen, they might partner with Aston Martin,
0: and it I already know-
2: sounds classier. I know, I'm very excited. Now, Aston Martin is owned by the same company as Mercedes, so they would probably still be running Mercedes engines, kind of how, you know, Renault has Infinity branding all over it. Renault and Infinity are on, or Renault, Red Bull, excuse me. Um, Oh,
0: that makes sense now. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll probably be a similar situation with Aston Martin and Mercedes. Like, they're not going to not have Mercedes engines next year. They're just going to have Aston Martin branded whatever. And it's gonna be fine yeah how did you not know that
0: <laughs> look I'm you know you have that friend who's kind of smart but just misses things all the time yeah no I know I'm that, that friend, that friend.
2: <laughs> no that's yeah. fine. um it's it's, also a why, bit it's the same thing elegant. Ferrari having they have like a I think they have a Fiat ad somewhere on their on their car because Ferrari and Fiat are also owned by the same company
0: I feel like I did know that.
2: Yeah, that's a little more because
0: obvious. Because someone came from Fiat to Ferrari,
1: mm-hmm. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's only like two car companies in the whole world who just own that's, everything.
2: That's that's mostly true, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Renault Infinity. But that's probably what's going to happen with Aston Martin and Force India. So they might not be called Force India anymore. Or maybe they'll, they'll be called Aston Martin Force India. Or Force Aston Martin. I don't know. It'll be fun. I hope we get like a million more James Bond tie-ins though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mind the um I, I quite liked uh the fact that Williams had Money Penny in the garage over the weekend yeah, in and they
2: had the 007 branding on their mirrors too. I
0: don't know who is more excited about this. Like Money Penny looked like she was having a good time, but the Williams garage boys were like,
2: We have yeah, look at us with their photos. Woo! <laughs>
0: like
2: okay boys. that's amazing so um, speaking of williams do we? Do we i gotta
0: say the last thing that yeah. i want to talk about today and and we put it last because we're going to be a little bit after this um we would like to eulogize and say so long to susie <laughs> wolf's career at Susie Wolf. She'll be. So, she'll still be. Oh, on yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah. No, but
1: we're, we're, we're
0: recognizing the contribution that Susie Wolf has made, and how much we're going to miss her. Yep. I mean, even the test driver I loved the most. In fact, probably if you were like, "Who's my favourite driver?" I'd be like Susie Wolf. She doesn't race. Do I look like I care? Yeah. She was at one I point. I woke up. I woke up on a. I think it was Tuesday morning. Uh, maybe I think maybe Wednesday morning, and. It was about 8.30 eight in the morning, and my phone goes off. I'm like, what is that? And I pick it up, and it's you. And it just says, Susie. <laughs> and I knew. But like, I set back the exclamation mark, but I was like, I don't even know why I'm sending exclamation marks. I literally know what she's about to tell me. Mm-hmm. I knew what she was about to tell me in, like, March when they hired Adrian Sutil. Yeah. <laughs> like... We have known since then that this is what we were probably going to see this year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, and it doesn't make. So we officially done her racing career after race of champions, which is in a couple of weeks, which everyone should watch because there's a team America too, which is very important. Ryan Hunter-Reay.
0: Her and her and David Coulthard are the defending race of champions champions. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so you know,
0: thanks, thanks to Susie. For everything
2: that she's done for the sport. uh, It was great. Obviously great to see her do testing in Austria. That was fantastic. Even though her day was like cut in half by rain. Why is rain like following me around this year? I just, I weep. Oh. Um, Yeah, it was great to see that. It was great to see every time she drove in a free practice, like just seeing her around the team was fantastic. And I'm like, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it a lot. And I really do hope that she remains visible. And she remains a public face. Um, in and around all that she wants to do moving forward with women in motorsport. Um, I think that's super important. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the fact that drivers like Tatiana Calderon say that they look up to her as a role model, like obviously I don't think that women should just be role models. I think we should actually start getting into having them as race drivers. Like it'll focus on their yeah. marriage, but you can't do that yet until there's actually women in the field. So yeah. It's, it's good. It's good to know that, you know, she's had an impact on some of the younger women in racing right now.
0: Yep. I, you know, and we've talked about it a lot this week about, you know, what, about Susie, like what Susie represents being more than just, you know, if we were to look at Susie entirely based on her success in driving, this wouldn't be a story, but it is because we as female sports fans don't yet get that luxury to to judge our idols in, in, as female racing drivers purely on their achievements because they are not awarded the opportunities to achieve, you know, and that's, that's a whole nother narrative. And you and I have discussed that multiple times throughout this year. So anyone who knows us or has listened to this show knows all those arguments that we would make in this you know, the arguments for, you know, equality versus equity, all those kind of things, and, and, and what Susie Wolf means. There's been a lot of discussion this week about how, well, like, you know, Susie Wolf is no sinner, and we're we're giving her all this, you know, glory, and we're memorializing, like, her career, like someone who had won world championships. But I think the thing that people in a lot of these discussions have got, and some people have wrote some brilliant ones, there's been some really well-written ones out there, who've really accurately considered what, what she does mean what and that, her, that you can't view Susie Wolff's career in a similar la- in, in the same light as a different racing drivers, because it, it means more in a, in a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But then you've had some people that have just been like, Oh, well, she never won anything. She didn't race anything. So therefore wow. she's not important. And she wasn't worthy of this, which is bullshit. I'm call- I was going to say, I'm calling that bullshit. But I'd like to say, you know, both of those were written by dudes who've never had to sit in a situation where they've looked at a grid and been like, oh, no one looks like me. Mm-hmm. We will, you know, have which is, I think, a big thing for us.
2: That is, you know, we need to think about how to word it properly and not just key smash angrily. But we'll have a piece on this out later this week for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have, we will have a, and it's a, it's a, kind of cumulative effort from all of us here at the grid girls because we all have really strong opinions on this and we will really want to be heard on it so keep your eyes out for that in the next hopefully in the next week mm-hmm. um we're taking our sweet time with it because uh, we want she's to- worth us yeah. she's worth us discussing properly
1: yes i'm really upset because i've only just stopped calling her susie scotter <laughs> it's taken me like Years to like remember that she has a new name yeah. now,
0: yeah. See, I've only ever known her as Susie Wolf,
1: yeah, because <laughs> she was always very visible like in DTM when like no one really followed DTM, but she was like Susie daughter the female driver in DTM, so she was always known like well before she even got anywhere near formula. Right. And now. you look
0: at the fact that she she was one of the first women to ever be nominated for the uh British rage uh, team. BRDC uh, Young Drivers Awards, so the British Racing Drivers, study something, Young Drivers Awards. And you look at the other people, and she nominated two years in a row for that. And you look at the other guys that she was nominated with, you know, she's exceeded a lot of them, but, you know, she was at that at that age group was held in similar regard to many people who have gone on to decent Formula One careers or decent DTM careers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyways, I, I I'm just I'm very sad. It makes me sad too, because the unfortunate reality is is without it, it's not like we lose Susie Wolf and someone steps into her place.
1: No. That's the thing. You'll always have Carmen Jordan. We have
0: Carmen, but that's you know, even even then, the reality of us potentially seeing Carmen in a car is non-existent. We're, we're probably not yeah, seeing Carmen. It's not happening. We're not seeing her testing a car anytime soon. And that's the thing. It's one thing to argue, and, and we make this argument quite often, that you can believe what you see. So if you want to be a racing driver, when you see someone, a female racing, that makes you believe that you can do it. Yes, seeing Carmen Jordan around and being told she's part of the team is one thing but not seeing her in a car really prevents that argument being made because we aren't seeing her racing and we're not going to see her race. We're not even going to see her probably test. No, so but I, think, I think if we
2: want to get into this, this is a two tiered thing, you know? Oh
0: God. Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I think everyone who kind of shits on Carmen Jorda and says that she's not an important thing in formula one is, is wrong. Honestly, yeah, it's, I percent really. wrong because you know, if you're a young girl, you're looking at, you're watching this race um, and you know the FIA's you know affinity for showing her in the garage all the time they're not showing a skintily clad woman holding a sign for a driver they're showing a woman in a garage with a headset on participating as a part of a team
0: and it says Carmen Jordan, Lotus development Team Development driver. driver yeah I think and, and I agree uh, with you that you know you can see her and that I think The effectiveness is slightly diminished by the fact that we don't see her in a car, but it's still there. And it just makes me sad, though, that when we've lost Susie Wolf, there's no one at the moment that we can pinpoint and say, this person is coming into... Replace her. We have some amazingly talented young female drivers. We have Tatiana Keldron. We have Bieske Visser. You know, you even expand it out to Alice Powell, who's racing, I think, Formula 4. There's a couple of girls in the Formula 4, I think, ADAC in the German competition. There is a few of them. Um, even even you look at Simona, the Sylvester in Formula E, and then a couple of the girls that race like Delta Wing and things like that but there is no one that we can put a thumbtack on and be like this girl is you know the next going to step into a dev driver or this that and we're going to see her taking sims or prax or things like that and that's the gap that's left in Susie's absence true true
2: Um, on a slightly related note I just thought of this I wonder if I mean obviously Carmen Joder brought a lot of money to Lotus but, but I wonder if Lotus thought about this and they were like you know what? She's really good looking. If we put her in this garage and set her up as a driver the FIA is going to show her all the time. Which means that we will get a woman driver on the or driver, the team member on the TV all the time. I wonder if they considered oh, that. Like, totally. There was
0: no way they wouldn't have. Because if you Okay. If you have choice between two development drivers and neither of your development drivers are really going to do that much time in the car you, you already know. have a test driver you've got who, who have they got you have jolene palmer you don't need another person jolene palmer is a great test driver he's a great sim driver he can help you develop a car you don't really need another person but if you have a choice between two and they're bringing equal money and this is a guy who there's 20 million like him and this person is going to get you TV time. Is going to do PR events that you wouldn't normally be able to send your driver to. They're going to be at the fashion parade things that they do. They're going to be a hot invite to everything that F1 does. Who are you picking? And I'm picking her and that's yes, completely sexist, but it's also business.
2: Right. But also, you know, you're actively choosing a woman to represent your team.
0: You are, not necessarily not for the best reasons.
2: Oh, the perfect ways, but again, this is a sliding scale. It's a stepping stone. It's it's some, you know? So you I You and I
0: made that argument many times. Sometimes we just don't care how Carmen Jordan got there. What we And and that's the same thing for Susie Wolf. When every time someone says to me, Oh, Susie Wolf only got that spot because of her husband, I'm like, that's great. Do you know how many fucks I give about that? None. She's there, and that's great. Great. Right. Sometimes...
2: How, how many F1 drivers bought their way into a team?
0: Oh, every time someone argues about Susie Wolf, I'm like, yes, because Pastor Maldonado is still with a team because he's talented. Pastor Maldonado may have got his first race seat because he won a GP2 championship. I will respect that. But the reason Pastor Maldonado still has a seat. Well, has Pax nothing to Leonardo.
2: do with his talent. It's, has Marcus Ericsson ever done anything special? Or does he just bring a lot of Swedish money to the table? I mean, Sauber had that... Will
0: Stevens. Will
2: yeah. Stevens. I mean, Max Chilton. Oh my god, Max. poor Max Chilton. <laughs> but yeah. Anyone that drove for <laughs>
0: the room at one point.
2: Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, honestly, if you're going to make a big deal about about how a woman got into their seat, look in your own camp, guys, come on. If, yeah, if we're basing this on merit, you got to look at the guys, too. And it's...
0: We long ago stopped having a championship that was based on merit. Right. So you can't
2: argue that for women at all. To
0: be honest, there is... There is merit is a concept in motorsports that only works in one place. And that place is in theory. Yes. Yes. Sure. That's yeah. one of my favorite quotes. I want to live in theory because everything works in theory. Yeah. Yep.
2: So that's that's how we feel about this whole thing. Yeah. Y'all can go well, shove it. you are going to be yeah. Susie Wolf. That's basically our stance.
0: That was Mexico. That was Formula E. That was Susie Wolf. We miss you. Don't go too far. But Amy Fulton from the internet has to go to work. Yay, I have to leave and
2: fold. Oh, no. I have
0: to paint some furniture.
2: Then i got to go watch a Bruins game.
0: So, for the great girls... This week, with thank you very much for joining us, Amy. I hope your jet lag uh, subsidizes.
1: Awake. I like waving on a podcast. Yeah. I'm not jet lagged. I'm fine.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's see how you feel at about 3pm this afternoon. <laughs> You'll be
1: That fine. being said, Bye.
0: I've witnessed your ability to be awake at ridiculous hours after long things, so I, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. So, for this round of The Grid Girls, I'm Sasky Stewart. I'm Sarah the,
1: And that is...
2: Me from the internet. We'll see you after Brazil.